0: Friends, thanks so much for your time this morning. My prayer is that God will help us to use this time to honor him. My name is Adam, and I am thrilled to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I want to say what's up, West Side?" and I am so happy to be on this journey with you. It's amazing to see the things and hear about the things that are happening in your community. I also want to give a shout out to anybody who will experience this message online or through our podcast. I want to introduce you this morning to Robert Crandall. He was chairman and CEO of American Airlines. Now anybody who's flown knows that it can be expensive. Well, Mr. Crandall had a reputation for cutting costs as an executive and one of his moves was brilliant. What he did was he removed one single olive from the salads served on the first class flights for meals. And in that year, from removing one olive do you know what, uh, what American Airlines saved? $40,000! Isn't that nuts? This is the compound effect when small things add up to something much, much bigger. That's the concept we've been using in this series to to describe the picture of how God can multiply our gifts. When we each take our small part and put it into God's hands, it becomes something much bigger. Last week we looked at why we give, and this week we're going to look at how we give. What is the disposition of our hearts when it comes to generosity? In our scripture today, we're going to be reading a letter sent to a church. Now, Paul is encouraging the believers in the city of Corinth to be generous to the believers in the city of Jerusalem. Paul was formerly someone who persecuted the first Christians. Then he had an amazing encounter with Jesus, and he's gone from squashing churches to starting churches. Churches he would then correspond with these early Christian communities to support, encourage, and even correct them. So today, he's inviting them to be generous, and I think that we'll see that Paul has quite a way with words. So we're going to be reading his letter to the church in Corinth that became, along with many of Paul's letters, uh, part of our Bible. So we're going to be reading from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. So we have a couple different places mentioned here. So we've got a map for you to kind of get our bearings Paul has been visiting with the churches up north in Macedonia, and he's been bragging about the churches to the south in Corinth, and he's encouraging both of these groups of churches to be generous to the church in Jerusalem, which would have been considered home base. Now, I read from the New Living Translation, which says the gift was for the believers in Jerusalem. Now, some other translations, maybe you're reading on your phone or you brought your Bible with you or wherever you're experiencing this message, you're looking at this. It may use a different word. Some translations read that the gift was for the ministry to the saints. So I just wanted to explain that difference very quickly. The Greek word in this verse is the same used for the holy place. And elsewhere in the New Testament, it's used to describe Jerusalem. So I feel like like Paul is kind of putting the squeeze on his friends, isn't he, a little bit? I don't really need to write to you about this ministry of giving. And yet, I am. (laughs) Right? And he's been boasting about uh, the Corinthians to the other churches in Macedonia. Paul's been bragging on them. And my guess is that they don't want to let him down. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is collected so, so Paul is sending in advance folks who are gonna be collecting and transporting this gift, right? There was no first century Venmo. And, and so imagine how frustrating it would be if you traveled all that way and things were not in order. So there's a very practical concern here. But it goes beyond that, to, 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 uh, beyond practical concerns to relational matters. I won't wanna be wrong about my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, If some Macedonian believers came with me and found out that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So Paul is skilled in the art of rhetoric, or as we might say in Missouri, talking good. He employs comparison to the Macedonians as well as endearment by bragging on the Corinthians to stoke their generosity. These are tools he's employing. So at the top he says, I don't even need to write to you about this, but then he does. And then he proceeds to write about them about the subject of generosity. Have you ever heard the phrase voluntold? This is where something is sort of presented as optional, but there's negative consequences if you don't do it, right? You may feel this way at work about a certain training that you'll get punished for if you don't attend, but oh, it's voluntary. Or like NFL off-season workouts, those are not mandatory, but then it's a big news story if any major player skips them. Right? Nobody likes to feel this way. Nobody likes to be voluntold. Now, I don't think that's what Paul is doing here. He's putting his reputation, his honor on the line when he brags about the church in Corinth. Think about the social dynamics of a recommendation. Like when we first moved to Kearney, we had uh, an amazing uh, access to this church and and to wonderful babysitters that we needed. It's hard to be new to town. And so we asked some some trusted friends for some recommendations. Now, they're going to only recommend the best babysitters because if we have a bad experience, I'm going to go back and be like, hey, what's up? What happened? Why did you lead us down that wrong way? Paul is speaking to the Corinthians this way, and he's speaking about the Corinthians this way because he knows them. He is leveraging his relationship with them because he's confident of their character and their capacity to be generous. And the Corinthians will respond not only because of their desire to bless the saints in Jerusalem, but to also honor their friend Paul, who puts a button on this part of the conversation like this. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me, and these were likely the people who delivered this letter also to make sure the gift you promised is ready but I want it to be a willing gift not one given grudgingly what is the disposition of your heart when it comes to being generous do you have a heart that is willing or a heart that's grudging I want you to know that preaching about this subject is is not one that's tough for me. It's one that I do gladly. Last week we looked at the compound effect of God multiplying our gifts together. And these three weeks in this series are about funding ministry in 2020. But it's also about the relationship between our hearts and our stuff. Paul makes an explicitly financial appeal to the church in Corinth to be generous. And in it, he shares that how we give is crucial. Now, I know it might be repetitive for me to, to brag on my kids, but as, my jo- as a dad, I just think that's part of my job. My son, Aaron, is so sweet. We've got kids on our street he plays with. He's got friends from school he plays with. This is him at He's uh, at enjoying a, a donut, by the way. You can see a little, little powdered action there on, on his face. <laughs> Or like anytime time uh, any friends are over, his cousins, kids at school, kids from down the street, whoever, he always wants to give them something when they leave. He's given away his Spider-Man toys, he's given away stuffed animals, and then it's, it's really awkward because Sarah and I have to kind of do this dance with the other parents because we don't want to like crush Aaron's sweet little gesture, but it's like, oh, Aaron, that's, that's really nice, but they don't need any more junk at their house, bud. And and so he's he's just so earnest in his desire to be generous. Uh, But my problem is that some of the stuff he wants to give away are gifts that Sarah and I have got him. And and so I'm the grudging one in this situation, right? Like, whoa, 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 let's think a little bit before we give away this Build-A-Bear. Do you know how much one of them Build-A-Bears costs? Right, it's so, so I've got a much different mindset than my son when it comes to this stuff. The thing is, it's easy for my son to give willingly because he doesn't view any of it as his in the first place. In this series, in addition to the disposition of our hearts, of how we give, there's a practical application of how we give as well. Last week, I outlined five levels of giving, and I want to touch on those again so we are all clear on the invitation we have to be generous in response to how God has been generous to us. Now, I want to be sensitive that folks are in different stages of life, but I also believe that everyone is capable of making progress on their journey of generosity. Some of us are at the point where we give nothing to the local church. And it's just a fact that if if everyone did this, then, then we couldn't exist. Other times we give something. We come to church and give something kind of based on what we may have on us that day. And that's a step. That's, that's, that's a big step in, in faith to go from nothing to something. And when all of our somethings go together, they become much, much bigger. That's the compound effect. Now, intentional giving is where our journey of generosity really starts to pick up. Because it's giving as a habit, we do it intentionally based on a regular planned percentage of our income. Now, that journey of intentional giving doesn't take place overnight, friends, as we grow to the level of tithing. And this is the biblical principle of giving 10% of our income back to God. Now, of all of the many excellent options for giving, it's my belief that our tithe Our gift goes to God through the ministries of the church because this is the mission that I value over and above the other excellent options for where my gifts could go. Because I believe our mission is unique to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, that's why, in my view, the tithe specifically and explicitly goes to the church Now beyond that 10% mark is extravagant giving, where we continue to evaluate our resources as blessings from God that can flow to us to others at 11% of our income and beyond. Now friends, I don't give you this information to make you feel obligated. One, I don't think that would be effective. But two, I'm not interested in a grudging gift either. I'm just not. Each of these levels represents a sacrifice beyond nothing. Everything from something to extravagant is sacrificial giving because you could be using that gift for lots of other things. I know that. Part of the practical how we give also includes a 2020 commitment card, which I know you have access to over at Westside. This year, you can also fill one out online. We want to honor the gifts of folks who give in electronic ways. You can also automate your giving like Sarah and I do. So at the top of our website is a, is a giving tab. Then you click on that and it'll bring you to make an account. And then you can uh, get all signed in and you can schedule giving. You can give, make a one-time gift. It's, it's very easy and convenient. You know, In 2020, we're also working on incorporating text giving as an option. We want to recognize that every gift, no matter how they're given, is still a sacrifice. It's a gift we receive joyfully. And that's why we, we want to begin introducing these cards that represent folks who give online or electronically or in automated ways. Because we still want you to be able to participate in the service. That's how my family and I give, and we want to recognize that as well. So these financial commitment cards, they represent your commitment to funding ministry at our church in 2020. But beyond that, they represent the disposition of a willing heart. When we make a financial commitment to fund ministry in 2020, it helps our church plan uh, to, to do ministry next year. But beyond that, it's a tool to plot our spiritual growth in this area of generosity. So Sarah and I invite you to join us in bringing those forward as an act of worship on Commitment Sunday, November 24th, next Sunday. Sarah and I are continuing our commitment to give 11% of our gross annual income to the ministries of this church. I said it last week, and I wanna say it again this week. As your pastor, I would never ask you to do something that I am not committed to do and willing to do myself. To be totally transparent over the years, it's been a journey for us to go from maybe more of a grudging aspect of giving to giving willingly. You know, when I started seminary, we had no idea how we were going to pull off a 96-hour, $60,000 degree and still be able to maintain our level of giving But Sarah and I have experienced the joy of generosity and how God has provided for us in ways that we never could have anticipated. And and friends, I know this is a sensitive topic, but how we give reveals the disposition of our hearts. Moving towards giving willingly can be a journey. You probably don't need two guesses to know that Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Especially when I was in college, man, I remember coming home and like I had so much more room than when I was in the dorm. The, 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 there were laundry appliances that I didn't have to put quarters in. That was amazing. And then I sat down for Thanksgiving with this giant spread just kind of set before me. I felt like a king, right? But then in my 20s, a switch happened somewhere along the way. A shift happened. I didn't just show up to Thanksgiving, I brought something to Thanksgiving. Now, I almost burned down my dad's deck smoking the turkey, but we don't have time to get into all of that. Right, and I brought something not because my sister or my stepmom or somebody in my family guilted me into bringing potatoes, but because I wanted to. A mark of Christian maturity is not just consuming, but the willingness to contribute. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for the chance to hear from your word and receive the invitation to be generous. God, help us look inward at the disposition of our hearts. And do we view our stuff as ours? The result of our own efforts alone? Or do we view it as yours? Gifts that you have given us in order for us to help bless others. Help each of us to take a step on this journey of generosity so that we can experience the compound effect of you multiplying our gifts when we place them in your hands. And everybody said, amen.